0: Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and today is a very exciting podcast we have Kim Molnar, who is a new therapist. She's actually a new team lead with us at PDT. But in addition to Kim being with us today, we're also talking about back-to-school. Now, I'm not really a great back-to-school kind of mom because I like an open summer schedule where you're sort of free-willing, but I do get excited about back-to-school school year when new ideas and new therapy ideas, and I kind of had a little bit of a refresher from the summer. So instead of me just keep talking and babbling on and on and on, I should introduce Kim. So, hey, Kim. <laughs> hey, Hayden. How are you? So, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I know you're new with us, but just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, okay. a little bit about Kim.
1: All right. Um, I'm Kim Molnar. I'm a speech-language pathologist, and as Hayden said, I've just joined the pediatric developmental therapy team and very excited about that. I have been practicing speech pathology for the last 20 years. And ironically, for today's podcast, we're talking about the schools. And my background has been the schools. And I'm also a mom of three boys, one in high school and two in middle school. I've had my share of back to school weeks is what I like to call it. It's a very hectic and transitional time. And my middle son also um, has special needs. So I have a parent perspective of how Mm -hmm. crazy it can be when you're starting a transition time with a special needs child, as well as my typical children. It's one and the same, in my opinion. So it's it's just a fun time. But also, if I had a handbook on it, that would be
0: glorious. But unfortunately, we don't. No. Well, even special needs or non-special needs, like my mom told me years ago, she said, Hayden, you've got because I have, you know, four children, you've got four only children. And so what works for one doesn't necessarily work with all of them. And when you're starting back to school for any of them, you know, your mama hen feathers are all in a tizzy sometimes about if things aren't going to go right or they are going to go right. And also from my perspective of a mom with special needs, so when your mama hen feathers kind of get all up in a ruffle, it creates some anxiety. So what we're gonna basically talk today about is back to school from a parent's perspective of a child with special needs or any child in particular that you may think has some special needs even if they're labeled special needs or not and also from a therapist perspective because Kim and I you and I both have it on the professional end and on the mama end right yeah yes so if I had to say what the main thing that was important to make a school year successful from a therapist or parents perspective in my opinion the first two things I would say are communication and planning what do you think
1: I agree totally. One of the common phrases I always used in my household and as a practicing speech pathologist in the schools when I was educating parents and just guiding them on how to get started for the school year and some things that they needed to be proactive is my famous line was, you got to have a plan. (laughs) You got to have a plan. And that's huge in my opinion because you have to be able to see the big picture and you have to plan that year out. And this is school terminology, but you have 10 months to get what you need to get right in that one grade. So Third grade's coming up for some children, and Mm -hmm. that parent has to have a plan on what they need to accomplish. And so prior to that, back to school week, they really need to kind of sit down and have some forethought on, you know, what is it that I need to communicate, the other key word, what Mm -hmm. is it that you want to communicate to that teacher that would involve your plan and her plan and the therapist's plan for that short 10 months that you have with them?
0: Yep. And I always, I say this a lot in therapy, but that every parent is the expert on their child. So I feel like I know what made my children tick best because I'm Mm -hmm. their mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of know and I have my own agenda or ideas or thoughts about what I want my child to accomplish for that year. And I have a plan or I have goals. Sometimes I don't have a plan, but I've got goals. And then Mm -hmm. from the goals, it's easy enough to make a plan.
1: Right. And I think the key there is they have to be married. You know, you have to know that once you communicate to that teacher that there is a plan in place in your mind mm-hmm. and you need to have a really good handle on that they understand your plan because there could be mm-hmm. A little bit of conflict come December mid-year when you feel like the plan is not going like you want it. So it's so key those first couple weeks, that back-to-school week, that communication and the plan are set in stone. Otherwise, it's you know middle of the year, everybody's going to be watching each other saying, "Well, you didn't say that," and you know you thought it, and you might not have said it. So you really have to make sure you communicate
0: it. I've struggled with this from year to year with kids that I've had in therapy where I was maybe they were new to me in therapy and I thought, well, I know I got their IEP goals, I got all this stuff, but there's a lot more going on than maybe is or is not in their IEP or there maybe there's a lot of questions I've got about them in therapy because they've just maybe got some extra stuff going on. But I've also wondered about it on the parent side with my own child, should I have At the beginning of the year, I'm sort of inclined to think I need to have an IEP meeting. But, you know, from a therapist, you can't have an IEP meeting on every single kid. That's crazy. And from a mom's perspective, I really don't want to call a big IEP meeting sometimes when it's not needed, but I always feel like it's important to at least have a sit down with that teacher. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, they have open house at the beginning of the mm-hmm. school year. Some schools, you have your open house before school starts, and then you have your back to school night, which might be two, three weeks into the session. <laughs> and as a speech path in the schools, you know, very rarely would people stop by my room. And I know they had regular ed teachers to see and resource teachers to see, but I was there. You know, I was mm-hmm. there for that person with the special needs child who had language problems or you know some artic issues some goals that they wanted ironed out throughout that year i was there so you know parents need to know that the personnel is there to help them but in addition to those meetings or to those open houses and parent nights that are scheduled i do think it's important i know i do that for my own son i have a quick Mm -hmm. request for their teachers to just sit down and make sure we're all on the same page you know, aside from curriculum, teachers know their curriculum. You don't need to know what they do. They have a license to do that. But what you want to know, and you need to make sure that they understand what your plan is for that school year and just that one specific goal that you really want them to accomplish, aside from all the educational and academics and curriculum. But the whole experience needs to be positive. Mm -hmm. So that does require a meeting. That doesn't require going through an entire IEP, necessarily. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the good functional things that are you're going to be able to say, you know, he or she grew at the end of this year. Yep. You know, How are you going to make my child grow? What are the positive things that are going to come out of this?
0: And I also try to communicate my hot buttons or sort of my non-negotiables without trying to be—I mean, I am respectful of their space. It's their space— I am respectful of what they know. Like you said, they're the classroom teacher. They've got expertise that I don't have. I am the child's mama. So I am very respectful of what they've got going on in their classroom. But I do have some, like, for me personally, hot buttons. Sometimes I'll tell them, I'll say, look, here's what kind of crazy I'm packing. So Mm -hmm. I'll just go ahead and tell them, like, up front, like, here's what you're going to be dealing with during the year. I won't try to keep my crazy intact, but sometimes my crazy mama just comes all out. And when she does, I'm going to rein her back in. And usually I try to do it in a funny way. I've had some people look at me like, oh, lol. Um, But not usually. Usually the teachers kind of roll with me. But I go ahead and tell them what my hot buttons are, what my sort of non-negotiables are, or what really can— get me in a tizzy fastest, like, you know, just lack of communication or lack of mm-hmm. if I send an email or call with something, and I try not to, I don't hound in my all because I don't want to be the one that's like, oh my gosh, here, she's sending me more junk again today. But I do like to know they at least got it. Sure. You know, or sure. at least they, or they at least, or whatever issue I have particularly saw that it's, there's some response that's like a, for example, a, a hot button for me or non negotiable. So I like to go ahead and clear those out, lay them out there up front and say, here it is. And so that they know. And I, then I ask them usually, like, what can I best do to help you? Or what can I, how can I be of avail- Because they are teaching my child. They're with my child, how many, 70 ten hours months. a day? Mm-hmm. 10 months. 10 months. A lot of mm-hmm. time. And so I'm sure there's times in that school year where they'd be like, she can take her child and they can go on and move to Jamaica or wherever mm-hmm. they want to go, mm-hmm. but not here. So I right. try to get that done early on and along with discuss the plan and what I want to accomplish for that year and stuff. But mm-hmm. I do try to make sure they know, look. This is your turf. This is your area. And then from a therapist perspective, sometimes you have those parents come to you and they look like they have got stress and worry and anxiety all over them because their child's going to school and they're not going to be with them all day. You had Mm -hmm. those. And you can see their crazy mama coming at you. And you're like, look, I'm here to help your child.
1: Right. And most school personnel, they understand these things. They're human. And I like to call it my mama bear. And my mama bear has had to come out, you know, just a couple of times and, but always, you know, well respected. And if it did come out, then the school personnel, they might have shut the door and had something to say about me afterwards, but they understood and then they tried to make it right. But I think it's fair to say that if there's something wrong, you know, you've got one child and you've got one year for it to be a good year. And it's okay if something bad goes wrong. You're entitled to communicate that that you're not happy. So I have a little mama bear inside. I think everybody has a mama bear. Mm -hmm. But the thing to remember though, when you were talking about communicating to the teacher and letting them know what your plan is. As a speech therapist in the schools, and I did have that overly anxious mom, and I saw Mm -hmm. it in her eyes, and I guess that was the benefit of, I think, part of my purpose in life is I can identify with those parents. I know exactly what they're feeling when they're sitting across the table. So it's important for that therapist in the school or in the private setting to really try to identify Mm -hmm. with those parents and know that some of that anger or some of those comments might be displaced because there's just that fear of the unknown. You know, you really Mm -hmm. don't know how things are going to roll. We don't know how things are going to roll with any of our children. Nobody has that crystal ball to yeah. say, all three of my children are going to be independent and successful. No one knows that. So that's not indifferent from a special needs child to a typical child. It's all the same. But for a special needs child, there's just a little extra worry and concern. And mm-hmm. I would say for the private therapist and the school therapist, and you know, just identify that fear in your parents and don't mistaken it for something personal. It's yep. just the unknown and you've got to be able to understand how they're feeling for you to be able to help them best.
0: I've been in the situations, I'm sure you were, where they'll, and I'm sure I've been labeled this too as a mom, but also I've been in situations as a professional and some people will say, Oh, God, that mom, she is crazy. And I'm sure I've been labeled as crazy. I think, in my opinion, as a professional, at the beginning of the school year, and we're talking about good communication and planning, what sets you apart as a professional? If you're communicating to those parents, I'm here to help your child. I'm here to help your child. And really, if that's first, then everything else Mm -hmm. kind of falls in line. Because the bottom line is, I'm on your team, and we're going to get through this in terms of whatever issues we've got with this particular child, Mm -hmm. we're going to get through this so that we can get to the end of the road, which is them getting better. And one of the key words, when you
1: said, you know, crazy, it kind of kicked in another term that I heard a lot, and and I probably was this, you know, denial, that mom Mm -hmm. was in denial. And we heard that a lot of professionals use that term, and it is one of my pet peeves, and I, I certainly don't mind sharing that because... You know, now I'm in the position, I think I can, you know, look back 14 years. My son's 14. And there was a period of where they probably labeled denial. I was in denial. But it wasn't a—it was just— flat out scared, uh-huh. you know, what in the world is going to happen? This is not how the plan was supposed to be. No, I wasn't ready to accept whatever the diagnosis was. And that's just human nature. But when my colleagues, we would be in IEP meetings or we would, you know, I'd take him to private speech. And a lot of the times I would vent, you know, to the therapist. So to that private therapist, I'm like, I know they think I'm in denial, but I'm not, <laughs> you know, and there was some counseling that that private therapist would do for the parents, you know, just say, oh, you're denial, you're just this. So that goes along with, you know, just understand that there's some displaced feelings there and that these parents really are not in denial. They just don't know what to call it and how to deal with it at that particular time, especially in pediatrics, Mm -hmm. because you're just getting the road to start. You're just starting that road Mm -hmm. and that journey. And it's fabulous, and it's interesting, and it's definitely you know a wonderful thing to learn and grow with their children. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, the word crazy and denial get used, and they just kind of get used too often. I think yep. just to describe a parent that may have that child starting back to school, and then you do have all these things that are kind of flying up in the air, and you don't know how things are going to land. So it's really not either of those. It's I just agree. it's just the process.
0: I agree. And I think what you're saying is sort of the perfect leeway into, because we've been talking about parents and like getting yourself ready for the school year and communicating to your teacher and meeting with your teachers or making a plan, getting your hot buttons, non-negotiables out there, and also understanding kind of, these are the big things I want to work on during the course of the year. Not taking away from what the teacher's offering for your child, but just saying, these are the big issues my child's got. And I know, teacher, you're here to help Mm -hmm. Them achieve these goals. But -hmm. now we're kind of switching to a little bit of the professional. And so here at PDT, we work with a lot of kids in private therapy who are moving into the schools for the first time, but also kids who've been in developmental day centers who are moving from a preschool environment where everybody's, you know, there's lots and lots of parent interaction and the parents are, you know, dropping the kids off and they're visiting in the middle of the day to a school where there's, Maybe more structure and maybe a little less parent interaction, just because of the nature of the school day and the way the school day is structured and set up. And there's nobody's fault. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just they're moving to we call it big girl, big boy school, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we work with a lot of kids who are three and five, moving and transitioning to school. And so I think this is a good point to sort of segue. We've talked a little bit about we're segueing from parents and sort of how they're getting ready for the school year and now to professionals and how they can get ready. And we've talked a little bit about this already and saying be more open minded I think with parents about kind of and seeing from their perspective where they may be and they you know not saying that parents are coming across as crazy or in denial but rather Parents may just be fearful and recognizing that their child's transitioning, and this is a new situation, and every school year is a new situation, and there's an element of, oh, how's my child going to do every single school year, whether they're going into the 10th, 11th, 9th grade, or whether they're going into the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th grade. It doesn't really matter. It's a new year. So I think every parent's got a little bit of that fearful thing going on, and I think as a professional, you'll get much further ahead and be much better received if your first message is... I'm here to help your child. And secondly, there's lots of things you can do to help their child. So one of the things we're going to talk about first is sort of open up that communication channel. And if it's to make the first contact with the parent to say, I'm your therapist. Here's how you can reach me, email or phone at the school, or I don't know, send up a smoke signal, whatever. I think taking that first initial step, I always appreciate it when I get that stuff home from my therapist for my child, and then I think here at PDT we try very hard to communicate with that family the first week of school. Yes, very important. But I also think making contact with that child the first little bit of school, I think' important because those children go home and say, "Oh, I saw Miss Satan today or I saw Miss so and so and the parents know it, and if you're trying to see that child the first two weeks of school, I would say at least, you know then you're already on the parents' radar a little bit.
1: Right. Well, the parents know they're going to know their IEP, they're going to know that school starts, and if you're a therapist or you're a resource teacher or a regular ed teacher in the school system, school started. Mm -hmm. And that child is on your caseload. They're basically yours for that year or whatever the duration is that they need Mm -hmm. you. So as a professional and as a speech therapist in that school, you need to make contact with them. You need to start schedules with the teacher. You need to make contact with that teacher. Let them know what they're going to be pulling When they're going to be pulling, where they're going to be pulling, what's the preference. All of these things are very important. So when that child does go home and they say, oh, we saw Miss Molnar today, then that parent's going, "Shoo! I don't have to call the school. I don't have to ask why he hadn't started speech therapy yet. Right. So that's just part of the job, and that's part of the professional responsibility. You've got to start that week and reassure that parent that you know that child is there to get speech
0: services. And I think if you go ahead and make contact with all your families or just send something home with the child, and honestly, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's important to send something home at the beginning of the year to say, here I'm Hayden, I'm the speech therapist, Hayden Bullock, you know, this is my email, this is the number at the school or wherever I am at the contract site, it all applies here. You know, we have contracts with schools and with developmental day centers, but just to send some initial paperwork home. And then I think it's always good to send something home a couple months later because all kinds of mess comes home the first little bit if you're at a new daycare or if If you're at a new developmental day center, if you're at a new school, it doesn't matter. New school year all kinds of junk comes home. And so I think it's important to send something home again in another couple months just with your contact information on it because parents have good intentions, but they lose it. right? So.
1: And you're really putting too much responsibility on a child, especially a young child, you know, pre-K <laughs> or younger, or, um, pre-K even up, you know, till fifth grade. Well, let's just even go all the way to high school because they're mm-hmm. children regardless. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen a parent in the store or at a restaurant and, when are you going to start with Johnny? And I'm like, Johnny's been getting <laughs> services started. since day one. That's right. I send home a note. I sent home a letter. So, you yep. know, different modes of communication are never a bad idea. You know, it happens because they're children and they're not going to know to tell the parent weekly that you've been for speech therapy, most likely they're going to say, no, I I didn't go to speech today or I didn't go to speech this week. Mm -hmm. That was probably their least favorite thing to do, probably behind physical ed or something Uh -uh. that they were working on that week, especially the older kids. They really don't Mm -hmm. want to express or communicate that to their parents. So different modes of communication are definitely a good thing.
0: I agree. Especially the first little bit of school, maybe even that first session, I try to do some fun activity with the child, and then something where they've done some kind of artwork or something and send that home, and I'll write my name on the back of that and some of my contact information, too, just to say, so it's also there again, because a lot of times I'll just to reiterate, I'm Hayden, I'm here, I'm seeing your child, this is what's happening, and because usually the part work stuff, parents will at least like look at and can see it, and that sometimes will make it home. And sometimes the kids will say, oh, yeah, well, I did that in speech. I did that with Miss Hayden or Miss, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes that even will go a little bit further than like a note home, too. Right. That's a thought.
1: I do have something to add. In addition to communication with the parents, you know, the teachers and the educators oh, yeah. in the building are just as important. So it's best practice to be visible. Let that teacher know who you are. Let the principal, you know, if they're not going to have full-blown conversations with you, they don't have time to do that. But they need to know that you're the SLP in their building— that Mm -hmm. day. You're probably not there every day, but it's very important to let admin know that you're there, that you're serving the children, that you're there doing your job. The teachers that are in the classroom, when you pull that child, it's not a great idea to fly under the radar all the time because if situations pop up and Mm -hmm. little Johnny hasn't made the connection that he's going to speech, you know, with Miss Molnar, Mm -hmm. if... Miss teacher has not seen you or laid eyes on you because you scurry in when she's got her back turned to the smart board and you grab him and then you go and then he comes back and she's so busy she doesn't really have time to ask him either. So you've got to really also communicate to the teachers your purpose there and what you're working on so they also know that therapy is taking place and there's that relationship starting from the beginning of the school year.
0: And I think that really sets you apart as a therapist if you do that. Because really, if you boil it down, it's called good teamwork. Right. And even if you're a therapist employed in a school system or another type of contract type site, preschool system, or if you're like our therapist at PDT and we contract in, you're still a part of that team at that place, that school, that daycare, that preschool, whatever it is. So you need to act like it. And you need to make sure that you're a contributing member of the team. Because you got to keep your eye on the prize, which is the bigger goal, which is I'm here to help these children because really your goal is to help all these children graduate, and there'll be more just like them coming in. So, you're good job security wise, but the goal is to help them graduate. And so, good communication with the teachers. I tell you, the person who knows what's happening in that school is the person sitting at that front desk, of the secretary. When you walk in the front yes. door, you need to make that person your friend, <laughs> and you need to find the janitor, and you need right. to make him or her your friend. Right. And also, if you're smart, the people in the cafeteria. Because those are the people who run the joint. (laughs) And and, uh, and if you've ever worked in anywhere, you know that right up. That's like, right. Look, you That's people... right. And they're the
1: first people that if you need something or you need a parent contact, you know, yes. they're not going to tell you go look on the parent portal. They're going to just stop what they're doing yep. and be of a, an assistance to you. And mainly mm-hmm. because you were nice, you communicated with them. They know your purpose there, and they know you're there serving the children. So, yeah. you know, really doesn't stop at the teacher. No, I mean, she's grateful you're there. But you just need to know your environment. Oh yeah. So that everybody
0: has a good, positive experience. Well, because when you lock yourself out of your speech room, and you will. You need to know who the janitor is, and you need to have been nice to them so they will come quickly to let you back in because you're going to lock yourself out, and your purse is going to be in there with all your keys, and you can't leave until you get in there, and it's going to happen. And so when it does, you need to make friends with whoever it is. That's a tip that I will just tell you. You'll learn that after you lock yourself out of the speech room or or lock your keys in the vehicle or whatever you do because I've done all that mess. But that's important to know all those people and the front desk person, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. The front desk person is key and they will make or break you. Mm -hmm. If you're not their friend, they will break you. So Mm -hmm. you need to be very nice to that individual or individuals wherever it is. But they're usually the first people that I try to buddy up to. But that's the nitty gritty, isn't it? Yes, that is. Yeah, that's that's the behind the scenes that nobody tells you right off. That's the stuff that's not in the textbooks. So in addition to getting to know all the school personnel and being a good team player, if you're in the private practice world and a child that you're seeing is transitioning to the schools, then really you need to, as a private therapist, in my opinion, get to know the school people. Or you need to initiate that contact. You need to send a note to the school therapist or email the school therapist or call the school and find out who the school therapist is so that there can be good communication between the two of you because I feel like that goes also a long way with parents.
1: Yes, it does. It shows the initiation and a true goal in carryover. Because you mm-hmm. if you're practicing some skills mm-hmm. in the private setting, in the school setting, it really says to that parent and to that school speech therapist, hey, she's really interested in what I'm doing. You know, There are two different settings completely, but the goal is the same for all. It is. So I think if that's communicated, I know with, with my son you know, our private SLP came to some of our IEP meetings. You know, she mm-hmm. was invited the school. She was well-received. And as a parent, she was sort of my rock, if you will, in that meeting because it's a very stressful time when you're in those meetings. So private yep. therapists having that relationship with the parent via the school, it can all be a really good thing.
0: Well, and I think it also it sets you apart as a therapist, if you do that, because my mom told me many, many years ago, you love anybody that loves your child. And when you're seeing a child, no matter where you are as a pediatric therapist, I mean, you really, you take these little children home with you, not literally, but figuratively, you know, you think about these little people later and you, you love these little people, and you get connected, and you really want them to do well and succeed, and you really do, but so I think just even the private therapist is an extension of what's happening with that child in his school day, or it is daycare, or it is preschool, it's Head Start, wherever, but the private therapist is an extension of that and part of that team, and so I think it sets you apart if you are communicating with what's going on there. It doesn't have to be daily communication, just mm-hmm. a little email or a phone call. A lot of times, you know, you don't have private phone numbers for texting or whatever, But, you know, just an email or phone call or something goes, I think it goes a huge way with the parents so that the parents know, look, I want what you want. I want the best for your child. Right. Then also, that is how you get invited to the IEP meetings, too. If you're not just there, if the parent doesn't necessarily invite you, but if there's a connection between you and the the therapist at the schools or whatever, then that is also how you get included in the IEP meetings. And I think if the child's getting private therapy outside the schools, there needs to be input, you know, kind of thing. It might not affect the IEP as much or their goals might not be part of it, but I think you see a different picture of that child maybe, or a different picture of that parent than maybe the person who's at the daycare or the preschool or the school all the time, because you have a lot of contact with that parent. So you may have input that would help. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. We also need to talk a little bit about equipment. Mm -hmm. So if children have a lot of equipment at the beginning, or um, if a center, and you're the a therapist that's new to working with that child, or not. It doesn't matter because even over the summer, you need to make sure the equipment still came back like it's supposed to be and all that. I think you need to make sure you're very acquainted with whatever equipment or whatever that child's got.
1: Right. Yeah. Any assistive technology, mm-hmm. augmented communication, any of those things. You can go from light light tech to
0: heavy duty mess.
1: The, Yes, very um, (laughs) cumbersome. But all these things are very beneficial to know when you start the setting. I know I've been guilty of walking into a separate classroom, and of course, you're there to learn all the children. But a lot of times, the teachers are overwhelmed if you're in a school setting, and it may be different in a developmental day center, but well, I guess not, because I think everybody's overwhelmed mm-hmm. when you're trying to get oh, the yeah. job done every day. But All the time. But if you walk into a classroom in a separate setting and there's many children that have assistive technology and equipment that needs to be used, and sometimes that information that you know that about that child that's on their IEP or it's just embedded in their instruction, you might be a huge assistance to that teacher. It may just be a matter mm-hmm. of you encouraging that teacher Mm-hmm. There's the device, you know, this is how we're gonna use it. So if, if the awareness that they're using the device or the awareness mm-hmm. that they have the device, then in a little education piece on you're gonna need them to use that device when you're not in there. Yeah, All of those things are very crucial to communicate to the teacher when it comes to equipment. And sometimes it gets a little overlooked because equipment can be intimidating. Mm -hmm. So you really need to make sure that you're working. And sometimes it's more than one person that you have to deal with to make sure that equipment is in that room and that it's working and that it's being used for the functional use for that setting, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So that might take a little bit of detective work. Mm -hmm. um, but. If it's all working and the education piece has been communicated, you should be ready to go.
0: Yep, I agree. Or sometimes it's just organization of the equipment. Right. You know, sometimes it's just it's simple stuff like just a slant board, but just putting the slant board somewhere that, the child can get easy access to it and it doesn't call like tripping so that all the other kids aren't tripping and stepping all over it. And just, I mean, that's such a silly thing, but really just putting that somewhere where it's easy access to the child, but it's out of the way of the other kids. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a simple little thing. Right.
1: That's right. And one thing that I've found, you know, going into the classrooms and working with children that did have equipment It's an intimidating piece for a teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, they're used to pencils and paper and smart boards, and you walk in there and you hand them a couple of devices that you want them to use on a a daily run with each of those children. Sometimes it could be more than one child that has different pieces of equipment. They really need your support, and it's an education opportunity for you to work with them. And you may spend an hour and one day working with that teacher, but you will instantly shave off that insecurity they have for using that equipment because it can be quite intimidating. So there's a lot of education going on, too, at the beginning of the school year when you're working with children who have equipment. You just can't run in there and drop the piece and say, good luck. Mm -mm. I mean, you really have to take the time and spend with that teacher and make sure that the goals are being implemented with the
0: equipment. And it makes sense, you know, common sense. Don't forget that. Don't leave your common sense at the door. Like, use your common sense with all that equipment because sometimes things sound like a really good idea on paper and in, in isolation of one another, they're a great idea, but then you combine it all together and you got a mess on your hands if mm-hmm. you haven't thought to coordinate some of that stuff. And so I've come across that before with just, and sometimes it's been my fault, you know, mm-hmm. where, I've, where I've made this like beautiful, it would have gotten an A in graduate school, beautiful like picture schedule or object schedule or whatever. Right. I mean, and I have spent hours upon hours and let me tell you, it is gorgeous. It's the Mac Daddy and it was stupid. And when I, <laughs> so when, when I got in there in the classroom, and I think that teacher wanted to wrap, take that object schedule or picture schedule and wrap it around my neck, and like you can take your object schedule and you can go. And so it doesn't take many times like that when you realize, huh, I think I forgot my common sense today. I think I'll go home and get it, and I'll bring it back in a minute. So sometimes putting all that together because a child who's got, say, for example, who's in a wheelchair, who's got, I don't know, a certain kind of tray on his wheelchair, and he's got like things attached to his wheelchair, and then he's got a stander, and he's got a certain kind of chair he's got to sit in another time, and then I pull in this object schedule, and it's just too much. Even though in isolation, they're all great ideas, but combine them all, it's dumb. Right, so, I've so, been there, done that.
1: It's intimidating, but mm-hmm. the key is you got to simplify and break it down so that it's a functional use for that teacher every day. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and then also, I think sometimes just a little. Again, I've said this about forty-five times, but then if you see a parent picking a child up, or especially for the kids with equipment, a lot of times those kids are not necessarily always on the bus. Sometimes they are, and I'll send a little note home. But if I see a parent coming to pick a child up or dropping them off, I'll try my best to time it so that I'm there so I can say, hey, look, I saw little Johnny's, whatever it was, and we're working on this in the classroom, or you know, I saw his, maybe not necessarily from a speech perspective, from a PT perspective, hey, I saw the little Johnny got new inserts in his shoes the other day. Can you send me that information to the therapist? Where did he get those? Can you send me that information? I'd like to coordinate with her. right? You Because know, the therapist, for example, where he got the inserts or the new AFOs or whatever, might not necessarily be somebody that's seeing him all the time. So, and I know we said private therapists contact the schools, but in that situation, the reverse has to happen. So, I try to make a point of making sure with those equipment people that I at least touch base with the parents and say, look, I have seen that stuff. Right. So, also, I don't know, Kim, if you've ever been in this boat, but I have done this. From a parent perspective, I've had stuff at my house that I thought, okay, this is great. And my daughter, my child, or my son, or who my daughter has diagnosed with special needs, but... I've had all these great ideas at the house and all this great equipment. And so sometimes I've been uh, guilty of taking – like I did this last year with a chair with the ball in it. I call it a ball chair. You know those chairs of posture. Mm -hmm. So I thought, she needs this because it's going to work her core. So I bought this ball chair, and it was beautiful and everything, and it was great. And so I went in there, and I took it in with her first thing in the morning. I was like, so here's this ball chair, teacher. So here – have her sit in that thing all day <laughs> and so that didn't work so good so I've been guilty of the reverse well I'll just drop off stuff and say or I haven't communicated well from the parent onto the school right or and I really did in that situation I didn't communicate with anybody not the PT not the OT not the teacher and not anybody I just dropped the chair off and was like here she needs to sit in this I got to go to work
1: well them. I do think You've got a point. I mean, parents come in and communicate just as much as therapists, but in that particular setting, you have therapists and teachers that are there to appreciate the extra stuff that's used. And, you know, (laughs) again, we're back to if there's equipment in the room, the educators and therapists that are working with that child, it's up to them it kind of circles back to them. It's their environment. It's their expertise. And if therapist walks in and sees student with something new, that parent was so generous to drop off, there needs to be some type of appreciation, making Mm -hmm. my life a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Research. I mean, someone just gave you a gift, basically. Research that piece of equipment. If you don't think it's appropriate for the setting, then talk to the parent about it. But don't ever be upset that somebody gave you something that you didn't know existed. That's an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done that too. I've walked in mm-hmm. and said, you know, with the teacher, here's what we're doing at home, because I had to go to my job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I expect them to figure it out. I, I gave it to them. I wanted to figure it That's out. Right. And fortunately, I've worked with some wonderful educators and wonderful therapists, and they've taken the opportunity to research what I brought in and what I thought would work. Mm-hmm. So there's a happy medium there in my opinion. But their mm-hmm. setting, their research, therapist responsibility and make it happen.
0: Yeah, you're right. And that makes me feel better for having dropped that chair off last yep, year. I thought it would I wanna do it again this year too though. So okay. um but I'm gonna make a plan first <laughs> and I'm gonna communicate that in my sit down early on. I'm not gonna do it like uh November right, like, like Monday like Monday or Tuesday before Thanksgiving either. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> so. here, here's, here's a little thing that, you know, just might help parents who are doing this. Again, it's part of that education piece. It might just take one sentence, because teachers, they have so much on their plate. And if you drop something off, and if I drop something off, maybe if I would have communicated, this will help with A, B, and C. Yeah. This is what this is for. Mm-hmm. I gotta go, but tell me how it goes at the end of the day. But this is the purpose. Mm -hmm. So if people know the purpose, they're more apt to accept what it's doing in their room. So they don't need a half a day of lecture. Mm -hmm. They just need a quick little purpose Mm -hmm. from the parent.
0: And then I think
1: they'll be all right.
0: Because you also, somewhere along the line, sometimes the kids are communicating one thing. Like my mom told me to, to bring this in here because I'm, you know, I don't know how my daughter communicated because my mom says that I'm not sitting up paying attention. Well, the teacher may take that negatively. Well, I didn't mean it to negative to the teacher, but you're right. Tell them the purpose. This is what this is about. This is what this is for. And this is what I'm concerned about. If you're lucky, then as the therapist, the teacher will communicate to you if the parent didn't tell you the purpose. But if you're lucky, the teacher will communicate to you and say, hey, therapist she just dropped off this chair because she's not sitting up and paying attention all day or something and then as a therapist you can pick up on that and go okay this mom is worried about something so maybe I should just touch base and say here this is what I'm doing to help with this in therapy so just to ease their mind because they're obviously right the is getting ready to come out because they're worried about something right and something's not it's a sign. Mm-hmm. It's a sign. It's a sign that, oh, wait, let me stem the tide because something's getting ready to come. It's a mama bear sign. It's getting ready to come loose. Hold back. Because you said this earlier today where, you know, all the stuff we're talking about doing at the beginning of the school year doesn't stop as the school year goes on. you got to keep on keeping on all. Be a team player. Communicate with parents. Communicate with your teachers. All And make a plan. Your plans continue all year long. That's right. Yep. You have that year
1: for growth and progress. And with my own son, I get so excited at the beginning of the school year and I've learned now, you know, he's 14 and there were many times at the end of the school year, I didn't want to wish our life away, but I got so excited just to see how he grew, you know, Mm -hmm. what words he picked up, what social skills did he finally master. I mean, these are things that parents get really, really excited for because they know that A year of growth is so important when you have children that develop differently. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all your thing. So just get ready in August, and you can sleep in July. That's right. That's what I'm saying.
0: That's right. (laughs) Because from August 25th to June the 10th, it is on. It is on. And the other thing I was going to say is the therapist should use the beginning part of the school year, because if you're thinking about the whole year, and you've got to do this all year long, if you really concentrate, especially on the first part of the school year, setting up a system, an organizational system, a communication system, not just isolated to one parent or this parent, and okay, well, I do this for this parent, I do that for this parent, you can customize a little bit, but really a communication system. So parts of your day where you set up, okay, this is my planning and organizing time. You know, this is when I do this. If you set that up at the beginning part of the school year, then you really have done yourself a huge favor and get your dates like on the calendar in advance, you know, get your IEP dates on the calendar in advance, get your IFSP if you're working zero to three years old in like a daycare or preschool or something, get those on the calendar, get the way your system for your communicating with your parents and the way that you work flow and that you're going to communicate with your teachers. If you're a new grad, do this from the get go and like integrate it in what you do because it'll help you for your whole career. Like, create systems. Get your ducks in a row.
1: I think we call it a plan. We do. It's planning, organizing. <laughs> it's one of our core
0: competencies. And we usually have planning and organizing time every day. Don't miss that. If you do miss it, you really are doing yourself a disservice. Really. Planning, organizing time. It's just as important as anything else you do all day. Okay, so with that being said, as we ramp up our process and begin to start our school year, and we are excited about our school year starting— there's not much left to say, but good luck. No, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> hope some of this helps, and hold on. It's gonna be a ride because begin the school year when it starts. It is like it's yeah. not a gradual start. It is on.
1: It is on. But from a therapist's perspective, I used to get so excited in August, <laughs> and I knew that everything I did from August till December, I used to say I'd plant the little seeds, and then there something miraculous happened in December, and I saw all this growth when they came back from Christmas break. Hmm. So. You know, look forward to it. You know, be excited because Mm -hmm. you're going to do something great for the children and you're going to educate teachers and work with staff that really don't have a clue of what we do as therapists. But, you know, it's an exciting time. So look forward to it. Each month there'll be something new and
0: fun and different and
1: enjoy it. Enjoy the growth that you're implementing.
0: I can't say any better than that. Oh, good. Okay. That did it. All right. So thanks everybody for listening to another episode of The Working Therapist. And thank you, Kim, for being with us. This was great. I really enjoyed it.
1: It was fun. Thank you for having me.
0: And I'm so excited that you're here at PDT. Really, I am. So welcome again. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com that's pediatricdt.com